This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You ready? And let's go. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with my main man, Ben Pake. Did I pronounce it right? Yes. All right. Let's do a little bit of business first, guys. First things first is Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your handles, for your steel, for your wood, whatever you got. Use a little bit of Axe Wax. It's all-natural food-safe. It's good for you. There's nothing icky on it. So you're making stuff like me. I'm making steak knives and chef knives and stuff, and I don't have to put anything mm-hmm. icky on it. This is going to make my customers not feel so good about themselves. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Ben? I know what I'm saying. So- I know what you're saying. <laughs> You know what you're saying. You didn't say anything yet. So go to all go to axwax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get 10% off your order. Or if you're in the UK, go to UKKnifesupplies.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off. If you're in Australia, NordicEdge.com.au, FULLBLAST10 gets you 10% off. And if you're in the EU, KnifeMaterials.at, 10% off of your Axwax with promo code FULLBLAST10. Thank you very much. Next thing is my man, Andreas Kalani, is a great knife maker. He's a maker, but he's also making websites. If you go to akinteractive.com slash full blast, you fill out the paperwork, he's going to give you 10% off your, 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 pot, your, your website. If you want a new website or you want, to know, you want your website fixed or if you want logo redesign or graphics done, or he's the man. If you go get yourself... Some of you guys are fooling around in the DMs, and that's a dirty place to be. You know what I'm saying? There's just it's a, going doing business in the DMs is for the birds, because these guys are people are tire kickers, ladies and gentlemen. They're tire kickers. They want nothing to do with you. All they want is your friendship, and you don't want their friendship. You want their money. You want their money. So go get yourself a good website and stop fooling around with these tire kickers in the DMs. You know what I'm talking about? The ones I don't that need say, more friends. You don't need more. No, we don't. Nobody needs more friends. We want their money, and then they're gonna. You know, then you see the person that says hi, and then there's like a. It's just you ever get those those those, those emails? It's just those, those little DMs that just says hi, and then you're expected to say something. No, no, no. Go to the website. Blocked. Go to the website. Go to the web. <laughs> blocked. Get to the website. Akinteractive.com/slash/fullblast. Get yourself that ten percent off your new website or your fix your website or whatever. Last but not least. Thank you, thank you, thank you to my friends at Total Boat. Total Boat has sponsored Hey-o. the podcast. Total Boat, Total Boat knows that you're here, Ben, and they wanted to I make love sure. Total Boat. I wanted to make sure that they knew they knew that they were taking care of us when when you're here. So That's if you go great. to TotalBoat.com, they, they they make adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. It used to be a company that just made that was just for boaters, the boaters, and then they realized the DIY people. They have an itch to scratch and the total boat came in and they're here to scratch that itch. So if you go, oh, go to scratching, get the scratching. If you, if you go to totalboat.com and you put in promo code full blast 10, you're going to get 10% off your order. And if you think about all the people who use total boat, let's just list off a few names. You have Keith decent, my man, Keith decent, Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Jimmy Duresta, Keith Mitchell, and my man, Ben, Hake from Wilby Designs. He's been oh, using yeah. that. He's using that Total Boat too. If it wasn't for Total Boat, his 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 all his products would just be falling apart. So yes. don't stop playing, everybody. And if you're a knife maker, yo, I've been using the uh, Total Boat High Performance Two Part Epoxy for my handle scales, and it's been awesome. And I actually use that UV Cure Clear Resin. That stuff's crazy. 
you pour a little bit on and then you hit it with that UV flashlight. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's kind of it seems like it's black magic, to be honest with you. I, I just don't understand how it works, but it works and it's awesome. And then you can also there's other great products that you can use, but if you're a knife maker especially, they have the pumps that they use. Now, knife makers, you know this. Sometimes you get those big cans, the big cans of two-part epoxy, and you got to do like one pump each, and then it makes enough for like five knife scales. Maybe that's too much. Total Boat has fixed their 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 packaging, so you can do one pump chump, and you can get your knife scales together. One knife, one knife. So go to totalboat.com, put in promo code Full Blast Ten, get yourself ten percent off, and there we are. My guest today was the, probably one of the most fun people to uh, research. Ben Paik, Wobie Designs, is an extraordinary young man. He is... I got. We got lots to talk about. We got lots to talk about, Ben. How Let's are do you? it. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course. No, this is my pleasure. You know, you're... you're are you in a car? Yeah. This is, <laughs> you don't know this story? So no. I've been podcasting for probably about close to 15 years. And then, okay. and then the last five years, I would, I'm one of the hosts of Knife Talk, which is the number one knife-related podcast on this germ-infested planet. I come from the love of radio. Radio kept me company. Uh-huh. I was raised by Howard Stern. You know, he's, my, he's probably okay. – he, he, he kept me company when I was a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. So when I started with Knife Talk, the most co- I talked to an audio engineer, and he said the most important thing for podcasting or for sound is to be in a room inside of a room. So I started building these little bullshit booths, and it sucked, and it wasn't comfortable. And then I was just like, one day I was just like, you know, my car is really comfortable, mm-hmm. and I can pull it into my shop. And then that's a room within a room, and it sounds great, and the leather seats, it's all comfortable. I got my cup holder here. Bingo, bango, bongo. Fine. Oh, dude, this is yeah. like, it, the, that's the biggest problem. Everyone, people make fun, just like, the audio sounds good, and there's no echoing, and there's no rattling in the background, yeah. and, it's just, and I'm comfortable, I got my knee up here, I got the door open, I got my foot out, foot out the window, it's great. So, you know, yeah, the answer is it Seems yes. like the perfect space, too, because if you're in a shop, it's all dusty and whatnot anyway, so it's nice, it's probably nice to just be in the car and... Yeah. Take a rest. Yeah. It's great. I'm, I'm this this Jeep is so goddamn comfortable. I actually saw I actually uh, traded it for a sculpture. So this is the second truck I've had where I've traded for sculpture. And this one uh, I had to build like a little uh platform for my uh so my 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 mic and everything cuz it fits on this one thing and it sits in the passenger seat and then, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time it's fine. That's nice. You've Good been a, you've been a busy guy. You've been a real busy guy, and we got to talk skateboards. We got all sorts of stuff to, tough to talk about, but I really, I reached out to you when you were on your whirlwind trip of Europe. Yes, that trip. If you're not following Wobie Designs on Instagram, you're making a giant mistake because his story's the best, and Thank he you. had the, the truly had the Odyssey. It was the it was like the Iliad and the Odyssey. That's fucking. That trip was nuts. It was it was it was really fun and yeah, it was honestly I. The reason why I do Wobi Design is so that I could do that, and yeah. my priority for me, for me and my wife, we just love traveling, so we want to see the world as much as we can, and any time that we have, uh, we just spend the money and get in debt and just travel and spend the money and come back and do it all over again so yeah 
That's what that's what my wife and I do with, with my kid. I mean, we really don't. My I'm, I wear the same clothes that I've been wearing for the past five same. years. I don't I don't spend any money on anything luxurious, lavish. But when yeah. my kid was born, we really wanted her to see outside of our little town, because mm-hmm. the problem with this town is it's a great town, but I mean, it's just like we're four, you know 15 minutes north to the city, and if you don't get out, you think that it's all here. Like I know right. people who are in their 60s who live in this town. We're 20 miles, 20 miles from New York City. They've, they think it's, it's like going to China. Like they're mm. completely out of touch. So we right. spent all of our money and our free time making our, kid, making our kid to travel, but it was pre-pandemic when we were doing the travel. Mm. Your trip was in the middle of the panty. Yes. You were up in the panty and you got I got. I took the risk. You took yeah. the risk and you got got. Yep. And so, I'm... I'm honestly pretty happy that it I got I got it at the end of the trip pretty much. And only country that we missed out on is Iceland and we were only gonna be there for two nights and just I only wanted to go because I wanted to go to this uh the outdoor what is it? The pools. Uh, blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pools the Blue yeah. Lagoon. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was actually good, but yeah, I was sketched out the whole uh trip but at the same time i was having fun so yeah i can imagine that it would have been i would imagine i I loved it because you were very good in regards so you took your friend you took your wife and and uh you guys started off in in italy and you obviously you've been you have traveled a lot because you've Mm -hmm. been you at one point you said you'd been to you know you've been to italy a few times and what was the when you went on that trip what was the at what point in the panty did you and your wife decide we're going? So, um, in 2020, uh, January, we were in Europe and we did our trip and pandemic hit. So end of the end of 2020, we couldn't go because pandemic pretty much shut everything down. Right. And then year 2021, it started kind of like during the summertime, especially that's when everything started kind of dying down and everyone was like, oh, yeah, it should be over by the end of this year in 2021. And so we just booked it in September. And then as soon as we booked it, maybe a couple weeks after that, Delta variant just fucking just started wiping people out. And we're like getting closer to the flight. and. We're like, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. It's either we cancel or we just go. And hopefully none of the uh, countries like go on a lockdown. And literally a couple days before um, we were supposed to go on the trip, Amsterdam locked down. So we had to cancel that and then we had to figure something out. And then we lost shit ton of money because we couldn't get it back because they were saying that all the airlines and hotels are saying that because it's a pandemic and you know it's a global pandemic, you're putting yourself at risk by traveling. And if even countries, if, even if countries go on a lockdown and whatnot, we can't refund you any money. Yeah. So I'm, I just, you know, pretty much lost a couple grand on that. And uh, yeah, we just said fuck it. Like it, it's just seems like I can't just stay home all day and just be safe as much as possible. I still want to live my life and I decided to do it. We were being safe. We were wearing our masks the whole time. We we're all vaccinated, all three shots. And, 
yeah, I took the opportunity and it paid out well because there's literally zero Chinese tourists that I've seen in the whole entire trip. And the 10 years ago that I went with my other friend, oh my God, it was literally just groups of Chinese tourists everywhere. And they're just holding the flag and just ruining the whole experience for everybody else. And it just, <laughs> yeah. So it was really nice. Like, very open and not that crowded whatsoever. I was able to walk up to the fountain, uh, the Trevi fountain in Rome, and I couldn't do that 10 years ago. There is no way. But it's literally just completely empty right now. So it's actually to, pretty. Were they were they happy to see tourists? Were I mean, how? how I mean, did... I don't know if they're happy to see an Asian guy, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Well, you didn't have any the, problems, did you? I didn't. Oh, that's another thing too. I thought you know, like Europeans were being racist and all this, like media's talking about being you know being Asian man in certain countries and whatnot. But I felt zero racism whatsoever, even in New York or. All these other places that's hap uh, that's happening, but I I felt zero like hostility towards me, uh, um, and um, I mean not uh, zero like threats. Yeah. Uh, everybody was extra nice. I felt like because I think businesses are looking forward to having tourists come back again because they're losing money. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's terrible. There's. You know, it's just a lot of the businesses are open, but you could tell that they were just suffering and they don't have the same income that they used to have. I was talking to this one artist uh, in Venice and she was like, you know, we used to sell out all the time. But now we're, you know, trying to uh, do everything possible to just keep the doors open. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, who was probably doing good business is whoever, you know, whoever sold you your COVID test. Because you must have taken, like, how many COVID tests do you think you took on, the, on that? That program? lady ended up just making fun of me uh, <laughs> every time I just walk in. She just started smiling. This little Asian lady in friend, uh, Paris, uh, it was 30 bucks, 30, 30 euros per, per test. Yeah. Oh, my God. So yeah. so, how many how many tests did you have? You did you figure you took the whole? Because I know I watched your stories. You were taking yeah. tests every time before you went on, a, on an airplane. Yes, and then every time you went to a hotel. So you must have taken like what 30, 30 tests. So I probably took like ten uh, just uh, right before the pandemic, and then I mean I mean right before I got the uh, I got right. the virus in Paris. So. In total, I probably took about twenty because, oh. like, in, when I got the when I got the virus, I was like, I want to test. I would keep testing myself just to <laughs> so that, like, you know, maybe it's a different result. But no, so every day that or once I had the COVID, uh, uh, I had Corona. I pretty much tested myself twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And then I was stuck in Paris for six days or seven days. So that's 14 plus 10. Yeah, 24, 25. Let's round it up to 25 COVID tests. But the whole, whole trip, trip. But the whole trip, 25? That's a lot, yeah. man. Yeah. 30, 30, 30 euros a pop. Yeah. Holy mackerel. And certain cities, I think, like Barcelona was like 60. 
Damn Barcelona, what's going on? You know why? It's because you said that you said that, 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 that you said that they're dirty, dirty over there in Barcelona. Oh, they don't give a shit about COVID. <laughs> oh my god! And the lady who tested me, she literally shoved it up my nose, and I felt to touch my fucking brain. I swear to God, this lady just did not give a shit about other people, and just just Ugh. literally jammed it in. Damn, damn yeah. Barcelona. What's Barcelona. going on in Barcelona? They're, they're, it's I, my, fun. It's the best. It's a fun city, yeah. It's I a fun a, city. I taught a class there, and I had the best time. I, I love Barcelona. Yeah. But it's hilarious. I remember you saying, when you, you're sitting in that, you were sitting in that hotel room, and you're like, damn, Barcelona, you got to get your shit together, man. Get your <laughs> shit together. It was so crowded, and oh, my God, nobody was wearing a mask. and But it was a good time. Let's hope that this thing goes goes away, and we can. I want to start making jokes yeah. about the pandemic. Be honest with you, because it's like yeah. it's enough already. But I mean, you know, goddamn. Yeah, we're starting. I'm doing. I'm, we're going to do a little bit of traveling. My, my kid went out. My kid just went to uh, to, to uh, L.A. to look at colleges. So they nice. had a pretty good time in L.A. And they were, you know, it was, you know, I think people are going to be traveling a little bit more. Hopefully, things get, uh, yeah, you know, things get better. Especially when the summer starts coming, I think the weather is going to be a little bit nicer. People are going to be getting sick less, and hopefully, hope. this is the year. Yeah, let's hope that it's that, and it's not like that's where coronavirus is like sitting in a tree, ready to fucking come down. With yeah, the, what the Delta like mutating into yeah, different... Delta Cron. Yeah, this is yeah. like this is the, we're, we're like in a lulled sense of security. I hope Ben goes on another trip so I can wax him again <laughs> in <too>. Paris. <laughs> you know? So you know, I, once again, I tell you what, you, you kind of kind of. Thinking about talking with you and, and everything like that, it was very easy to uh, you. You've, been, you've done so many podcasts. One of the podcasts you did, which was outstanding, was you were on unlicensed therapy with Ari Manis. Oh yeah, how did that was so goddamn funny? I was like, usually what happens is, is when somebody's on a podcast that like they do a good job, I get uh-huh. kind of mad because it's like it makes it harder for me to kind of try to come up with a good show. That was so funny. He's so funny he's he's hilarious and i think he he has a van too he's convert he converted a van so that he could go on tour with it but he's he's hilarious but he's a comedian he's yes. a comedian and on his pod i was looking i was looking up your podcast and it was like he's been on with i mean he's had everybody on that show and yeah. when he was talking with you i got the very i got the feeling like he was willing to become more DIY. He was willing to mm-hmm. learn how to 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 make stuff, and sounded like he didn't really, you know, turn light bulbs or anything like that. And one of the things that's so great about your story is is that you're very relatively new to making. I mean, you've been making things for like the under ten years, right? I mean, yeah. something like that. And it's been really quite a miraculous story. Um, your whole story. It's and and P.S. I I, I actually wanted to I. I thought that Ari's podcast with you, if you don't, I'll link it in the show notes. It's called Unlicensed Therapy with Ari Manis. And it was, you guys were funny and you guys were taking ridiculous phone calls and it was just hysterical. But I, I did, I did, and we'll wait till the end, but I did want to like, sit, I, as an unlicensed therapist myself, he missed something very big with you. And, and it was really like, I was just like, I'm, thank God he missed something. We didn't all talk about it at the end. Skateboard decks. How, uh-huh. how, I got to tell you, skateboard decks are one of the greatest objects because they're, it's, 
it's more to me they've always been sculptural it's not mm-hmm. like plywood because mm-hmm. it has all these movements and all these curves and contours and, and it moves around and then there's the color and the thing what was it about what was it about skateboard decks that really kind of resonated with you free free is that yeah. it because part of me also um, part of me also thought it was that it, it was manageable to carry well it's very versatile. So when it comes to skateboard, uh, first of all, it's made out of maple instead of, you know, pallets being, you know, uh, pine and whatnot. Right. Um, and another thing is it's consistent. So all the skateboards are usually about the same size, maybe about an inch dif- dif- difference at right. the most. So all these skateboards are consistent. It's stackable. It's uh, colorful. It's maple, um, it, and it's it's free. Uh, I think the biggest reason why I started with skateboards too in the beginning, uh, I just didn't have money to buy uh, wood, and I thought all wood was the same, and I didn't know the difference between softwood and hardwood, and. I'm coming from somebody who's been volunteering um, for communities or I've been doing community service yeah. at Habitat for Humanity. So I just saw a bunch of uh, furniture getting thrown away and raw materials getting thrown away. And I just started looking up what are other options for raw materials that I could start playing with and have consistent supply of it for the rest of my life. And it just naturally happened. And I used to skate, too, when I was in middle school and high school. Um, I used to just kind of ride around in a skateboard. I didn't. I never knew how to do crazy tricks. But, yeah, it just naturally happened. That, me, like when, that. I, when I was, in, when I was in, growing up in New York City, having a bike was a real pain in the ass. You know, mm-hmm. bringing it down the elevator and putting it away. And you can't yeah. just bring it anywhere. So when I was a kid, I, we skated everywhere. And it was the best because you could get on the subway. You could put it in your bag. You could put it in your you know, messenger bag. You can just like – and you can cruise down the street. So I never did tricks either, but I used to skateboard all the time. I loved it. And it was so convenient. And it was so yeah. convenient. I was wondering – and, and your story about how you got into – I mean, your story is the story of redemption. Your story is the story of redemption where, you know, you had some, you know, harder times earlier growing up and, you know, maybe, I, I don't know how, I mean, gr- coming to this country at a young age, I, you know, with seventh grade or something like that. I wonder what the, the, I wonder what the, uh, what it was like making that coming to America as a, you know, teenager. And was that a, was that like a major culture shock or? Definitely. Um, and I, I I didn't live in like a metropolitan city in Korea either. So I was literally, you could say I was in Omaha of Korea. So it's just, you know, bumfuck nowhere. There's nothing, not much to do. Uh, Everybody is a farmer uh, within my village. And there was only an elementary school within a 30 minute or 30 minute driving distance. So it's a small town. I barely knew how to, you know, uh, I had a thick Korean accent as well. So right when I came here, I had no idea how to speak English. Really? Um, yeah, I had zero idea how to speak English. Uh, the first two months when I came to U.S., my <clears throat> my parents decided to stay with my aunt, and she was in San Diego. And literally 90% of the 
uh, school was white. And I think there was one Korean kid who barely knew how to speak Korean. So I was just doing hand gestures to get by the couple of two months, a uh, couple of months. And then I came to L.A., where there's a little bit of uh, Korea, Korean uh, community, so I got to kind of adjust from there. But the first three years, I think I was struggling, and I think I would cry all the time because I just didn't, couldn't understand or relate to these uh, other kids and friends. And only thing that was helping me um, stay in school is sports because I don't have to say anything. So, yeah, it was difficult. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And it, I wonder, what was the reason why you, your family came to the United States? I think that was their original plan. So they were, um, I, I was pregnant here in the U.S. And then my you mom decided. Your right, mom was pregnant. My mom was pregnant okay, with me. I just want to be clear. <laughs> yeah. I was pregnant in the U.S. Whoa. whoa yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm missing something. It's, that's the English. That's that fine. No, I'm yeah, lacking. But no um, my mom decided she wants to go to Korea and have the kid and have some uh, have her sisters take care of her when she's having a baby. But they were living here in the U.S. for a little bit. And then um, when they went back to Korea, they said, you can't come back in until you have like a proper uh green card or citizenship and whatnot so it took about 10 years for them to get that paperwork and then yeah huh i you know i can't imagine that culture shock and i and i think it would probably be very difficult when you say you're crying at night that that sounds like a pretty miserable way to you do your teenage years i mean you know yeah like in korea i was the class president or the school president like really i was i was the shit yeah i was killing it in korea because there's only 100 kids in school and i happened to be the tallest and fastest and one of the smarter ones so you know i was i was doing great i was always picked you know number one or number two for all these competitions and whatnot i have like a stack of books of all the awards that I got, like I was killing it. What was your? What were the some of the awards that you really kind of like hold on to as like the, the most important ones? So there's um, extracurricular activities like uh, airplane making, model uh, model plane making with the wow. rubber propellers. Yeah, 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 sure. Those things were uh, uh, water pump uh, rockets. It's like yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's all these like little making thing that i didn't even know that i was uh winning awards for so i think that's one of the reasons why i started getting back into making stuff is i used to do it in elementary like i used to make all kinds of things we didn't have tvs or i mean we didn't have any com uh computer games or yeah. video games so we just went out and started playing we, there's rocks everywhere or trees everywhere and stuff and then we just play around with that that's where it all comes from. I mean, yeah. making in and of itself is is one of those things where it's the the physical manifestation of of your technique and of the of also time is such a big issue. Time is such an amazing issue in terms of it's like a milestone in your life. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine being like number one stud in Korea. Your parents moved to United States, and all of a sudden you're just like. I don't, I'm no longer the big fish. I'm not yeah. even like the small fish. 
So that must have And then like- I got I got fat real fast. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh what my are you talking God. about? As soon as I came to the US, I, I just discovered Hot Pockets and <laughs> I was eating that shit every single day. And I'm pretty sure I gained like 30 pounds in the first two months. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I was oh a big God. boy. Really? So, so yeah. the hot pocket was like the new discovery. It's probably like combination of stress and nutrition, but <laughs> I was probably like stress eating and I was getting big. <laughs> oh yeah, that sucks. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, you're not that anymore. You obviously kind of right. At what point did you feel like you were comfortable with English? That you could kind of make friends and like you, things you were like turning it around for yourself? Because I mean, you could have just like you could have been like not really happening i mean you obviously right. didn't happen i would say in like high school like senior year or uh, junior year i would say that's when i was like comfortable all my friends i mean you know still still the same best friends that i have uh we went to middle school together high school together some of them i went to college together uh so I would say, yeah, about high school, probably five, six years after I came to the U.S. Those are transitional friends because they saw you at your worst, and yeah. now they're and now they're 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 watching they're watching how great it is. They, they don't see hot pocket Ben anymore. Now it's like oh, yeah. high level Ben. They they've seen every possible worst things that I've done, and yeah, yeah, yeah well, I mean, to this day. And your wife too. I mean, you met your wife yeah. in in in, in uh, back in the day, and then you know you had this, you know. I guess you, it was like you weren't really you weren't seeing each other until like after college. And I think you know she noticed that I was this kid from Korea, and she didn't want any part of this, and she wanted to marinate my uh, marinate me for a little bit, and then uh, that's exactly what happened. Oh yeah, it's a kimchi yeah. trick. Put you yeah. in a pot and put under the ground, and then put me on the ground. Till, yeah, put in the ground. ground, and then wait till <laughs> wait till you're all right. But I like it. Now at least she knows what she's doing. Yep. Leading off to obviously, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but I know that you said it on your on your YouTube page that you know getting into, you know, the building of you know the reclaimed stuff it had to do with you know working for Habitat from Humanity. You had a DUI, and you you know it was a kind of a rough spot, and it was really like. I mean, it was. I mean, you're lucky to be alive, you know. Yes. And, and it's. I mean, tell me, take me back. Tell, I mean, if you want, you don't have to. Oh yeah, of course. I I, I love telling this story. Oh good, um, good, yeah. yeah. Embellish, embellish. Add more. Add as much as possible. If you want to make stuff up too, I'm 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 for it. I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah. I got to make so, sure that you. This is the best podcast you've ever been on. So yeah, lie. So far it is. Okay, I good. love it. See, yeah. So just lie. You're, lie you're a, a natural. Like that's Dude, that's what doing, I want to say. I've been doing this shit for a long time. I love this shit. I, it just I breathe flows. This shit. I breathe yeah. this shit. But it's, right. it takes so, two to tango. It takes two to tango. Sometimes you don't get the second. You don't get the person who likes to talk. Yeah, so you don't perfect. get the vibe. Perfect. Sometimes okay. it's tough. Sometimes, sometimes you get some people you got to really pull. It's like pulling teeth, and it makes me have yeah. to work. And if I have to work, it's, I'm not having as much fun. This is right. fun. Go ahead. Okay, so um, what is that? About 10 years ago. is exactly 10 years ago, actually. Uh, I was in college, and I was drinking excessively. Um, I love I, – I didn't love drinking, but I like binge drinking. So. Yeah. You know, it's just I don't drink a beer just on the in the middle of the day, but I'll take ten shots that you know that night yeah. or whatever it is. So that kind of lifestyle continued on for like about two years, and eventually, um, 
it caught up. So I was driving. Uh, I was in L.A. We had, you know, drinks. Everyone's messed up. And then I decided to go back to my house, which uh, I was living in UC Irvine back then. So it was like a 30-minute drive from L.A. to Irvine. And, you know, I'm pretty messed up. But I don't realize it because I think I'm invincible at this point. And so I start driving. And then I start swerving, crash in. As soon as I crash, car behind me crash into me. I spin out against the corner uh, to the side of the road. He flips over, and then I get out of the car because I think I'm on fire, and then I can't feel my legs, and then I'm just tripping out. And then luckily, the off-duty cop that was driving behind me, he pulled over. He's just like, "Let me take a look." I was like, don't move. Keep your head. Uh, you've been in an accident. Don't move your neck. And I was like, I can't feel my legs. And he's like, touch your fingertips. And I was like, I could touch it. He's like, okay, you're fine. And then he started touching my leg. And then I, I could feel like sharp pain. And then I was out. And then I woke up in the hospital uh, with stitches in my, uh, like, as they're stitching up my eyes, I woke up and I was like, what happened? You've been in a DUI. Uh, DUI. And then I found out the other driver that hit me and flipped over, he he was drinking and driving as well. And he had two passengers in his car. And luckily, nobody was injured, you know, not even a bruise. And everybody was perfectly fine. So the only two people that actually got in trouble deserved it, pretty much. Me and the other driver. So he went to jail right away. He went to jail? He went to jail. He Why? didn't even go to a hospital because he was drinking and driving. But so were you. Yeah, but I had medical in, uh, emergencies, oh. so they took me to the hospital right away. Okay. And luckily, they didn't even tell me to, oh, yeah, because you went to the hospital and you skipped out on jail, you need to serve a couple you know, hours or whatever or a couple nights in jail. They didn't do any of that. So that was good. So, so they served you with papers while you were in the hospital? or how did No, they- no, no, no. The cops just come in, uh, just ask you questions, and then uh, they take all the blood result. And then, you know, my alcohol was like, I think it was at 0.09 or something. It wasn't that high, like, at all. But, yeah. It was enough. It was enough, exactly. Um, So, yeah. Um, And then I went to court, got one-year suspension, one year alcohol class, and I think like twenty weeks of AA, um, and then one hundred and forty four hours of community service. Wow, yeah, that's actually and that's, you got lucky. You got off easy. I mean, yeah, if you consider it, if you consider it all. And uh, yeah, another thing that's real that I'm like really lucky about. My mom changed the insurance policy back then literally a week ago before the accident to full coverage and then on top of that because i was a uci student they could they checked my wallet while i was in the uh while i got the uh while i got into the accident and they checked that i was a student and then they took me to that hospital instead of taking me to the nearest hospital so if they took me to the nearest hospital i would have paid two hundred thousand dollars big bill for two nights of just staying at the hospital 
And because I went to my school's hospital, I only paid like two grand. Wow. Yeah. But what's the most interesting is it kind of puts you on a, a completely different path. I mean, if it this, wasn't for that accident, yeah. you wouldn't have been on this path that you're on now. It's literally a blessing in disguise. Uh, and that's what my wife says all the time. That's how I think all the time. I think if it wasn't for this to happen, then, you know, I'll be drinking somewhere right now. To be I honest. mean, that's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I talked to other people. I talked to Derek from Malden a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and that was another situation where he was in, you know, this part of it was the making community reach. I mean, he just, re- he started, he was after an accident. I mean, things weren't going well. He was, had a, he was recovering and recouping and started watching Jimmy DeResta videos. And then he reached out and Jimmy reached out and they had a lot of things in common. They had a lot of similar things in common. And it was like this redemption. And you mm-hmm. see that a lot with a lot of makers because there is this sense that, you know, there, you, you can take, you can take the things that you have but like the idea that you're, you're, I say to knife makers all the time, being a knife maker is, is you're trying to make something to prove to other people that you're not human garbage. You know, it's the physical manifestation of the fact that you have a degree of discipline mm-hmm. and it's, it's important. It's so, so important. So you, 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 you start to see all this stuff getting thrown away and, and what gives you the idea that maybe you can kind of reclaim it all? Because I know that you said at one point you said that, you know, they're throwing away all this MDF and all this bullshit that you can't really do anything with. What makes you, what gives you the idea that you can kind of reclaim some of this stuff? I think I was thinking about this, but it really goes down back to my childhood. I grew up with not having much. I grew up in a small, tiny village where, you know, anything you know, stuff that's being wasteful, like here in U.S. especially, it just seems so, uh, in Korean word, it's akawo, which means it's like... Unnecessary. Uh, not unnecessary, almost. It's more like it's such a waste. You know, you could salvage it or you could try so that we could minimize this waste, but it you're just getting... You're just throwing a lot of, especially in the U.S., I think we're just throwing a lot of the furnitures away because of the furniture industry and how it's so fast and they're being made super cheap and just fast furniture. So um, just looking at that, it just makes, it breaks my heart, to be honest. It's just raw materials getting thrown away and I'm sure we could do something about it, but nobody's taking the time to figure things, things out and... That's when I said, if no one else is going to do it, then I have to do it. So, planned yeah. obsolescence is an American tradition. I mean, that is like the idea yeah. that like you build things not to last, but you build things to be updated. <coughs> that's a that's just a that's just a part of our our heritage. You know, it's like this idea of. I mean, that's the capitalism. That's the capitalism and everything else. But right. I mean, like planned obsolescence is is tough it's tough but it's also very interesting too because a lot of plant you know as makers there is a degree of planned obsolescence too because when we make something when you made your first table or you made your first object that was a a milestone in your life at that time based on the information that you knew the techniques that you Mm -hmm. knew and what you could do with what you had so like you look back at the tables that you do now and yeah, of course it's going to be planned obsolescence in regards to my knives. Like my knives from six years ago, 
they're fucking big. I mean, they might as well be shovels. I mean, they're they're heavy and they're they're different and they're. It, but it was a part of your. T- it was a part of your life. I mean, it was a part mm-hmm. of your life. So the skateboards are part of that reclamation. And what's interesting to me about skateboards is why do they color them? Why do they color the insides of the wood? I've always wanted to know that. It's just aesthetics, just visually. So you... they're like what seven different colors or so? They just no. It's usually never seven different colors. I think there's only few companies that do all colors or all different colors or whatever. It's usually either top or the bottom or top, bottom, and middle. Huh. I learned yeah. so much watching your videos, your early videos. Early videos. They were only like a couple of years old. They're, I mean, they're fantastic. You were in your your parents' basement. I think it was your parents' basement, and you were building mm-hmm. these. You were you were you came up with this. Your press, your your bottle jack press, is one of my favorite things. The bottle you made a bottle jack press so you could sandwich. You see the the, the the tough part is, and I wonder where you got the idea that the fact that you had to laminate the skateboards together because because they're so uh, concave and they have so many different shapes and stuff like that, you have to turn them into a block in order to get your starting stock. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to uh, laminating the skateboards together, I just pretty much saw how skateboards are being made, and that's how they kind of do it in their factories as well. So it's called cold press. They just have, you know, tons of pressure just clamping it down and squeezing all the skateboards together to laminate these skateboards. And I thought maybe I could do it too with bottle jack press. And I've seen some other people make it as well. But I think I've seen where they would make it in a way that the whole platform goes up and the bottle jack is in the bottom of it. And I said, let's change it up so that I could only I could I just have to move the bottle check uh, bottle jack up and down, um, and yeah, it it just seems to work. And I think I was getting sick of um, not being able to, or I was just sick of the limitations that I have with just having one skateboard and chopping it up and then connecting it all together yeah, after just, it's cut. You're trimming yeah. so much material that it's like. You you're lo- you know but how can, you know you're losing so much material when you right. when you cut because you're gonna you cut like you know, almost two inches on each side and then the nose mm-hmm. and then the tail and then you end up with like a small square. Yeah. So it's it allows me to use as much of the material as possible, and uh, I knew that making veneers is going to be more of a uh, more of a priority than a you know just having solid blocks so i wanted to cut thinner veneers and that's one of the biggest reasons why i made that press is so that i could have thin veneers of skateboard uh material when you made that first skateboard i had no idea that the way they make skateboards is they they make veneers and then they cross they different layers or different ways of the Mm -hmm. grain so to, to make them strong i had no idea that was so fascinating I had no idea that they did that. It's it's crazy because I think they used to do it a little different too. So now they have five uh, regular veneers and two cr- uh, cross grain veneers, but they used to have like three cross grain veneers, four sometimes, like half and half. It used to be eight veneers or uh, yeah, eight ply, and you know skateboards changing constantly. But I think right now is 
um, pretty much the final form, and it's not going to change too much in, in terms of the technology. What, yeah. When I look at the way you work with uh, the skateboard decks, and it's it, you, you haven't done any metal work, have you? Or blade no. smithing, blacksmithing. All right. So there's this thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Damascus. Yes. But yeah. So Damascus is is layers upon layers of uh, alternating of high, high carbon steel and high nickel steel. And the high nickel mm-hmm. steel is just a little bit different. Both of them are high carbon, but the high nickel has just enough nickel in it that it makes it, you know, it's just, it's a difference. So what you do is you heat it up and then you put it in a press like a bottle jack and then you'd, and you'd fire for, you'd forge weld it all together. Then you draw it out and then you twist it or you can make Damascus or something like that. But it's very high, it's a very process oriented. And what happens is once you make whatever, a knife or whatever, you dip it in ferric chloride when it's done and then the ferric chloride, um, Eats away, etches the high carbon steel, and then leaves the, the high nickel steel is resistant to the high, to the. That's where you get the swirls and stuff like that. When I watch it, how you make all your processes, it's so step by step by step by step by step, and it's painstaking. The way mm-hmm. you have to, even just the way you have to take all the all the grip tape off, and then you know, your, your, your your how you take the t- the paint off, and the way you make your skateboard decks is exactly. For the most part, like how you would make Damascus, it's and then have, what? Go ahead. Have you have you heard of Fell Knives? Oh yeah, I know Nick. Yeah, Nick, actually, Nick, Nick's a good dude. Nick's a good dude. I, yeah, I love this guy, and he. We used to be at the same place uh, when I was at the shipping container shop. Now we're getting into something because he called me about this. This is before I knew you. And we're gonna yeah. get now. I want to get back into that, and we'll get back into skateboards. I Nick called me up. I want to say three or four years ago. And Nick was thinking about moving to the East Coast and we were talking about work. Like there were, he wanted to come work for me and I was like, ah, you know, I don't really, don't move to New York to work for me. Like that's the last thing I need is, and it, since he changed, since that conversation, he's just exploded. He's exploded as a knife maker, as a bladesmith. And he's just a great guy. Nick is a dynamite guy. Mm-hmm. But he told me, that he was having real problems at his facility to the mm-hmm. point where it was a re- he was posting kind of dissimilar to you and let's get into the story so you move out of your parents basement you find this this shipping container place and i didn't realize that this is the same place that nick was at small world right tell me what happened tell me about the shipping container place where your new ship your new studio is and tell me about this story so i was working out of the shipping container workshop for about two years before that happened. So everything's fine. I, you know, insulated everything, working out great. Uh, you know, it's been doing well. And then pandemic hits. Before, and then, said, before that, hold on one second. Is it just like a, like, is it just like a yard with ship containers on top of each other? How, so, does, it, how, does, it, how does it work? Yeah. So the building that Nick was in, it's a whole building. And then there's a parking lot in the middle. Okay. And then there's a whole nother building right next to it. So the parking lot is sandwiched in between these two buildings. And it's pretty significantly large uh, parking lot. So they decided to put 10 different shipping containers, five on top of each other, and then um, decided to turn it into this like little work area, pretty much. 
And I think Nick was paying like close to like fifteen hundred. I think I'm not exactly sure, right. but I was only paying like five five hundred. And so that's still one of the reasons why it went into that place. Well, he was, it was inside. So cheap. Yeah, he, he was, was inside, inside the building. Yeah, he was yeah, inside yeah. the He's building. He's not in the. Right. He wasn't in the shipping container. Right. Yeah, and so everything was working great. This it was this guy who did this kind of system back in. San Francisco, I believe, but the one in San Francisco caught on fire when somebody was living inside of it. That was a some... big story. Yeah, that was a huge story. I remember that story. I remember yeah. that story that these people were like, and they weren't squatters, but it was all no. about. It was a huge story. It was a giant mm-hmm. fire. And that was yeah. his. It was his complex. Too. I don't know if it was his, but he was the one who told me that kind of happened, and he was living in San Francisco at the time. And I was yeah. like, okay. And then he was just like, yeah, nobody could live in in here anymore, just work. I was like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Uh, and then pandemic hits, and then pretty much, he, I think he got a loan or the grant, the federal grant that they were giving away for free, and then. He got like close to $400,000 because he was already doing this building and another building and he was starting another building. So I'm pretty sure the government thought he was like doing big, big things, what, right. whatever. And then he took that money, took everybody's rent, never paid the landlord that money. And so pretty much he pocketed a lot of money. A lot of money. So yeah. he wasn't then, the landlord. He was he was leasing. He was a manager. Space. He was yeah. the manager. Yeah. Okay. So he just literally goes to different warehouses, talks to the owner, and tells them exactly what they're gonna do and split it, and then oh tells them, hey, "I'll pay you your mortgage for you, whatever." And he's filling the spaces for these people who can't move the spaces, and he's using it. Uh, okay. And okay, he's like blocking it, it in a way, it. like yeah, he and just now space- he, and he's not physically there. He doesn't physically own the property, so he doesn't really have. He can walk at any time. Okay. He yeah. hires like these workers to turn it into like this, you know, usable space so they have like, you know, outlets and whatnot. Right. But I guess he has some history with drug uh drug addiction as well. So he has right. some mental mental he was mentally just in, unstable. And yeah. he, you could just tell right away when you meet this guy, you you know something sketch. Up. Yeah, and you just want to make sure you want to give yourself some space and boundaries. So, yeah, and then as soon as he got all the money, he started throwing parties, having strippers and drugs and whatnot. Everybody, like, there's his assistant. No, 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 no. At his, he's renting out houses, like party houses and warehouses and whatnot. And he was having parties at the location as well, too. So his assistant is really close to me. I'm really close friends with his assistant because we're really cool and he's a cool guy. Right. He's, you know, level-headed and everything. He's And then he started telling me he's he got a restraining order from his wife because, like, he was, like, yelling at her. And then he was yelling at the assistant telling them he owes him money and then just started going off the rails and just went wild and nuts. And then pretty much someone said he he's in Mexico. And then someone said he died. And then someone said he um, he's pretty much gone. And then so as soon as we found out he was dead and he was gone, we had another his his partner 
partner. I, I got you. Um, I got you. Be yeah. vague. Be vague. Yeah. So she decided to take it over and took the loss and decided that he's she was going to pay back the owner and somehow try to recoup the money. And so she was in the process of doing that. She was finding new people to come in, new contracts, blah, blah, blah. About a month later, he comes back. And he now he's dead. He, we thought he was dead. He's back, and now he has armed friends. People with fr- his friends are at the gates with guns, blocking everybody else out and saying that whoever has new contracts with this new person can't come in. And only people with old contracts that sign with him could come in. And it what? went on for like two months. Yeah, he so was trying you, to. So you had the contracts. So I was were- fine. I was yeah. I had the old contracts. So I was like, just give me the fucking keys and get the fuck out of my face. Let me go in and work. And I don't know what you guys are up to right now, but you guys have to figure it out. You guys are just fucking fucking up with everybody's time. Like we got shit to do, and you're blocking the gate and like causing all this ruckus. And then yeah, and then it went on for like two months. And then they were they started fixing the place again and tried to talk to the landlord. Uh, and then the you know it just it was just pretty much done. I remember you had to get out. I remember when Nick was furiously looking for a new place to the point where I actually mentioned to him. I said you should talk to Tony Swatton. I don't know if you know Tony Swatton, but he's the, Tony Swatton, who I'm trying to get on this podcast at some point, is the number one armorer for hollywood he makes he made the hammer for thor he made the infinity Mm. gauntlet for for the avengers movie he's like he had a show called man at arms he was like he's the og he made the hooks for the captain hook movies any swords he made he's the fucking man if you if hollywood needs something like they needed to make like a like a, a a bud light needed him to make a suit of armor out of like bud light cans Mm-hmm. And he had 24 hours to do it, and he did it, you know, at a Bud Light can. He, this is the man. So I was talking to Nick, and I was just like, you should call Tony. And he's like, oh, no, no. he was frantic. So at what point were you guys, like, frantic? I got to get out of here. Um, I think right when he came back, pretty much. As soon as he came back with the guns and pretty much – sent out a mass email saying that whoever has new contract with this new person uh, can't be allowed to come back, um, blah, blah, blah. And pretty much, like, he was coming around every single day from that day. And he was just, like, checking on everybody, you know, telling everybody to pay rent, um, all that stuff. And So he was just, like, going up to people's shops and, like, just, like, kind of harassing them? Not really harassing. It's like, hey, how are you doing? You know, just to remind you, we're back here and everything's good now. And, you know, everything's going to go back to normal. Uh, you could just continue paying the rent to me and not to the other chick. Just just words like that. And then oh. the other girl that tried to fix the problem, she's telling us the landlords filed a lawsuit against him. This ain't going to happen you should get out as soon as possible because he's really unstable and you know the landlord's gonna kick everybody else out anyways so that's don't pay rent because you're gonna get thrown out anyway so what'd you do i didn't pay rent for two months and then i literally started looking for a place i was actually gonna move in with nick 
uh, to the spot that he's at right now. But he, we couldn't find something that you know kind of worked out for me. So I just kept looking, and then luckily a, a follower actually sent me this Craigslist listing, and then he was just like, "You should check this one out." And I checked it out, and the one that was listed was two of them. And I, I was like, this is too high for my budget. And he was like, oh, we got another one here you want to check out. And then I checked it out. I was like, this is perfect. I'll sign it today. And then, yeah. And then you and you put the all you put out the bat signal and you got all sorts of people from California to come help you move out. You moved out and mm-hmm. now you're in the new space, not nervous. I see. I would I would have I would have nothing but like that two months. I would just be like, I can't be in this space. I can't. I can't be comfortable in the space knowing that this guy is going to come around. Like I would it be was... like, I would, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't show up. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I would I was so mad because I was just like it's too much. I have everything set up here. Literally like everything my whole life is here right now at yeah. this point. Like I I don't know where to go. If I can't find a shop, then I have to find a regular job at this point. I had to quit like will be design if I couldn't find a shop because it's really hard to find a shop or affordable shop here in LA unless you're doing, you know, crazy numbers. It's just difficult. So yeah, I was so mad at him. You know, his mom started coming around and I was just oh like, getting so God, mad. It's too it's much. Like, it's all too much. And his brother was coming around. Oh. It's just, yeah. He it's just, too much. Yeah. Ugh. Eventually, he went to jail for pushing his mom. Pushing her? Yeah. So I guess they got into a little um, Jesus, so fight. Because this guy is just a fucking mess. It's he, such a sordid story, but the problem is, is like creative people have to put up with so much. Mm-hmm. It's like you're willing to put up with so much, but then it's to the point where it's like the writing is on the wall. I've got to go. Now, at yeah. this point, what point were you thinking that I'm going to do less commissions and more kind of content? Because, I mean, I don't know what your percentage is in regards to that, but I feel like your direction in, in and of itself is like content. It isn't mm-hmm. just the commission work. I, I realized that pretty early on, I was like, I don't like making the same shit over and over again, especially like f- not 50 of them at once. And I want to try making new things and try different things. And only way to support that kind of lifestyle was sponsorships. And I realized I'm pretty comfortable on camera. I don't mind being in front of camera. Um, I think I'm pretty okay with You're talking. You're fucking great. Thank you're you. fucking. Um, you're fu- I I I enjoy everything you do. I you're 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 hilarious. 
I, I mean, and the funniest part is you start to be more who you are. In the beginning, I don't know what you're doing now, but like the last episode, the last show, you were a little bit more kind of like, you know, high and tight and fine. You know, it wasn't as much like, you know, joking around. But I mean, like you have some really funny. I mean, I think you, whatever you do, you're doing awesome. Like, thank you. Whatever you do, don't stop. I think I'm just slowly gaining more confidence as it goes. And I think I'm hearing other people saying they like it. It just kind of gives me the confidence to go even further. And that's kind of what I'm doing. So, yeah, it's just it's just so much more opportunities for me to try newer things if I do sponsorship routes right. rather than production route. And especially because skateboard stuff it takes such a long time to make it so i'm not really making money when it comes to selling products so whenever i sold the dodecahedron uh pencil holders yeah i sold it at 60 bucks which is not even close to the price that i should be selling at i should be selling those at like 300 dollars. but you know i just don't know how to price it i don't like making the same shit over again and it just naturally it's so hard i just yeah it just naturally decided i just naturally decided that this youtube sponsorship world is more fun than you know making the same thing for me i also like the fact that you go after people like you're you yes. like when you hear nonsense when you hear people unnecessary things that people say i love the fact that you just you just squint your eyes out and you're like what's with you people i love that that's hilarious yeah i just don't understand because i think People think if you have followers, you're automatically automatically this other person. But I'm still paying the bills just like yeah. everybody else. I'm working my ass off just like everybody else. I, it's not free. Whatever I'm doing is it's work. Yeah. And people and whenever people fucking just you know put it down for whatever I'm doing, I'm not gonna let that shit fly. And I think me. Speaking out about it and making sure that other people know that if you say something stupid on my fucking page, I'm going to make sure you're going to be put on blast. That kind of gives you a sense of boundary so other people don't end up saying shit that they would say to their friends to me. And I just make sure that I got to keep you on check. No, but it's funny when you do it, though. Like there's there yeah. are other YouTubers who do that. I don't know if you know my friend Honor Kaglar. He dies in every film. You should follow Dies in every film. He makes. He's out in. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. He's in. He's in. He's in the UK, and he's a he's a knife maker, but he's a YouTuber. Okay. And what he does is he will actually. And he's on Instagram. Dies in every film, and he screen caps the things that people writes, and then he'll write underneath it. And he'll screen cap it, and he creates this like story in his stories. That's like he just go after these people, and he's just like these these people are. They're just they're they're helping me every time they interact. That engagement is helping me, and they don't. Really, and it's just like it's hilarious. And it's I think that there is this weird sense of where, you know, we go. We're friends with Alex Steele. And I know Alec. I know Alec gets very hurt by the things that people. He's told me. He's told me on this podcast. It it hurts him. It hurts him. Mm-hmm. But he he can't. He can't. I don't. It's not within his. I don't think it's within where he wants to be to to like you know call this guy an asshole or something or like what the fuck's the matter you doesn't do any of that but you do it in this way that it's just very enjoyable i love i especially when you were in when you were in france when you were in france and you're sitting in your bed and you're just like what are you people talking to me about don't fuck yourselves and i thought it was just really funny i think it was really great 
Yeah, I think people need to realize that they're fucking stupid sometimes. Yeah. I like to put them on check. The funny thing is, is like once in a while, I, you know, it's I don't have it within. I'm too fragile. I'm too fragile to uh, to go back and forth. And the problem is, is like I get very affected. I get very affected by like not criticism, but like I getting into the energy, like the negative energy or me getting sucked. You know, now I'm going to write this. And then what if he says something and then I'm waiting for him to say something. And then what do I say after that? And it's just it, it's for me personally, it's just way too much energy. And I would rather just like pretend it didn't exist. And that makes him even matter, which I kind of like too. So it's like, for me, I, I, I'm not funny enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not a good put-down artist. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. My father was the best put-down artist, and he used to break me over the coals, and I could never come back. I could ne- he just would go to the end. I mean, he would just, like, take your knees off. And it was like, yeah. and I was always afraid that, like, he wouldn't love me anymore. So, like, I could never oh go God, back. If I could never traumatizing. argue. It was traumatizing. So, like, I know for a fact I would say something, and then he'd say something back, like, way harder. And then oh I'd try to say something a little bit harder, and then he'd come back at me way harder. And I'd be like, I think he's going to stop loving me at some point, and I can't yeah. keep doing this. So it's very hard for me to to be in the situation where I, like, go back and forth with people. I, I'm, uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm tragically uh, impaired. Impaired. I'm just super prideful and just spite. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Dude, spite's the best. Listen, sp- yeah. if it wasn't for spite, I don't think you'd see as many creative people out there. Yeah. P- spite is the best. Dude, sp- I, my, I used to work for this blacksmith, and he used to say, I work on spite. Spite's my move. Like, if you say something, I can't do it. Spite gets me fucking through the yeah. day. Like, it's the best. Spite is underrated. It's an, un- it's an, underrated, it's an underrated thing, spite. I think, yeah, I... Put out probably my whole career and my life is because of spite. I, my really? Par- my da- so? Yeah. My dad said I could never get a six pack and, you know, I was fat back then. So he was just like, you'll never be skinny again. And that's what motivated me to lose weight. Um, there was this um, other recycle skateboard uh, artist that they were saying, oh, you suck, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do way better than your bitch ass. And then that's, that's how I kind of motivate myself and just turning anger into a fuel for me. That's that, my biggest uh, energy. That's, there is something to be said about that. I think, that there, I think being told you can't do something and, and just kind of like doing it out of spite and, and just like proving something wrong, there is some value to that. There's actually, I, I agree with you 100%. So you move into the new space. And one of the things I love about you, actually, I was channeling you today. I was building, I was had to build some, I had to rebuild a, a table that held my bandsaw and my chop saw because I needed to save space. And my old shop was a, a little shed and I would, I would have, everything was in place. You could just basically turn around and make knives without having to walk. You could actually just pivot around every different piece mm. of equipment. One of the things that was like crazy for you was the folding stairs you built a folding mm-hmm. stairs you built this the videos are great by the way if you don't follow will designs on his on youtube you're crazy you you rip the you rip the whole place down you 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 uh you documented the build the, the moving in you documented the the build you built the loft and then you figured out how to make this folding stairs that became this viral insanity where did you come up with the where did you come up with the the folding stairs and why did people go so bananas so i got the idea from um 
DK's Craft. He's another Korean um, woodworker. He lives in Korea. He's Korean Korean. Um, but you, he made but it. You're Korean for, Korean. I'm Korean American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's like he doesn't know how to. I don't think I. I don't know if he knows how to speak English, but he he's Korean. But he he made it, and I think there's couple other examples of uh, uh, other examples of foldable stairs and there's a company that makes it as well but it's like ridiculously expensive i think it was like eight thousand nine thousand dollars for that's foldable stairs that's a lot that's a lot it is a lot that's yeah. a lot but they do have like a patented uh technology where uh, the gas struts are hidden inside the steps so you don't even get to see it so it kind of folds out perfectly nicely and then folds up nicely, but it's not worth $9,000. So <laughs> I looked at his video of DK's craft and then just decided to make a bigger one. And the internet went crazy. And the reason being is because it looks janky, the first one. Really? Especially. I yeah. thought it looked great. I mean, when you folded it, it up, you had the spacing, so the everything, all the the way that the stringers went up, and then the stairs fit inside. It was very sculptural. Like I thought it was yeah. beautiful. I thought it was it, super clean and beautiful. I think the fitting was perfectly fine, and I I'm, I was really happy with how it fit and how it looked. Now, as how it functioned, especially that first video that I put out of me just walking up the steps and coming down the steps. It just, I wasn't prepared. The walls were like not painted right. Uh, pretty much gave you a sense of sketchiness. And I think that's why people had this desire to share their opinion and say, that's not safe. There's no handrails, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think it got viral. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's the, I don't, maybe you know better than I do. But I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is like my wife sent me she said did you see these stairs i was like yeah that's, that's ben that's wolby i know the, i know this guy she's like yeah. you know him i'm like yeah i know him man of course i know him what are you crazy you were on the fucking fighter and the kids started talking about you yeah the, the podcast brendan schaub and brian I Town. That. <laughs> yeah. that's a i mean they're a big that's, that's a, wild that was crazy why yeah. did, what i i stopped listening i'll be honest with you i had to stop listening to, i think that is a great podcast it used to be at least yeah, and the reason why I stopped listening to I loved it because they had very good chemistry. Brian mm -hmm. and Brendan had great chemistry. Brendan did one thing that I found to be grotesque, and it's not what you think. He spoiled a movie. He spoiled Star Wars. Like oh, two no. weeks out, two weeks after it's out, he said, "Ah, oh, yeah, Han Solo got shot." I'm like, "What the oh, fuck is the no. matter with you?" And I was just like, and then apparently he's like, "What are you nerds mad about me?" And I'm like, I was like, you know what? I oh, wanted to see. No. I, you know what? It didn't even matter if I wanted to see it or not. I was just right. like, I can't, I can't trust this guy. I'm yeah. listening to this guy with intent, and I don't know what secrets he's going to tell that's going to spoil my day. But I was just like, I think they're a great show, but that really was just like, I can't trust this guy. He doesn't have my yeah. best interest at heart. But it's a great show. It's a great show. They do a great job. But that was like, I couldn't take it. I thought that was like a betrayal. I think it was the whole listening to somebody. You're, you know, podcasts are one of those things that you're doing something, you know, it's not like watching TV where you're invested in the whole thing, but if you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing something, you're keeping someone company, there is some type of like, you know, 
relationship there. Mm-hmm. So if you get betrayed by the person you're talking to, it's like I can't, Definitely. I can't fuck with you anymore. Yeah. But I mean, that was a, cr- that was like a huge thing too. It was, it was wild. I was like, are they playing my video right now? <laughs> like, what is going on? And yeah, I mean, on YouTube, it has on the shorts. And has 39 million views. Oh, my God. That's yeah. insane. It's crazy. It literally changed my life. I, I think people think I make stairs at this point. How did it change your life? People just literally, what, my following count doubled in like two months. Um, people think I make stairs now. I think uh, my um, pretty much people realize that. I'm not just making things out of skateboards anymore. You know, I could make other things like, you know, uh, foldable stairs, foldable spray booth, which comes in really handy. Um, Another beauty. Yeah. So it kind of gave me the idea that maybe I could just, I don't have to stick with just skateboard stuff. I could work with different stuff and I could actually do it as well. So it just gives me the confidence that maybe if I get a new shop, I could do something crazy like this again. Having, I mean, having like restrictions, like, I mean, just because that space is so small and just the way you make stairs, we, I actually used to make, we used to do stringers for staircases at a metal shop. It's a lot of, it's a lot of measuring. It's a lot of measuring and it is a ton of, a ton of space taken up Mm -hmm. by the stairs. Mm -hmm. Seven on 11, based on how many, you know, how long it is. It's like, it's a whole, it's the mathematics of making a staircase, stringer staircase is a is a total production actually in my town that i live in is one of the old famous uh circular staircase companies the Milan staircase company where they they would show up with a post and then they would put they'd have this you know this the spiral staircase that that that's was that they were known for i was offered a job there i'm like i'm not going to be in the stair business thank you very much i have other things to do but it is interesting that the fact that you it seems as though a lot of your motivation is based on the limitations that you have and the limitations that you have in terms of like the space, but also, you know, I feel like that, I feel like if you get to, like, if you got into a bigger shop, I don't think it would, it would be as fruitful for you. I feel like you need to suffer a little bit. Am I wrong? I mean, you're not wrong. I think being resourceful and having a smaller space is allowing me to be more creative. Definitely. And I think that's how Koreans actually think in the first place because the country itself is so small and opportunities are very small. We have to think of different possibilities to come out on top. And I think that's how I think. And you're completely right. I think if I had like a Jimmy shop, no one's oh. going to watch my videos. Dude, it's you, just going to be. That's the thing. That's the thing with all these people need some sort of these borders. Mm-hmm. These 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 lines. I mean, yeah. I've been in that shop. Jimmy shop is great. It's so much room. It's so much room that it's like he's. I mean, it's amazing. Like he's got spaces inside of spaces. It's amazing. But like for you especially, you're like that row. You know, the rose grows the best when it's beaten a little bit. Maybe that's yeah. your thing. You need a little bit of abuse. You know, a little bit of abuse. Yeah. The beaten rose. The rose gets beaten up, and that's the where the beautiful yeah. rose comes from, right? I don't think that's the expression. I mean, yeah, I I definitely feel the restrictions are what's making me more creative, definitely in the shop setting. Um, Yeah, but I wish I I had a shop like Jimmy's shop. It just looks so nice. 
you know, he, I, I had such a good time talking with Derek. I had a good time talking with Jimmy, and, I, and I've talked to him, you know, a, about the show after Outside and the, his new show, Making making Fun is So Much Fun. And, you know, Derek is like, Derek is all in. He's just like, Derek has rolled the dice that this is going to be picked up, and it's like, this is his new life. And I'm like, we're all, like, crossing our fingers and hoping it has because he's putting he's putting all the chips in on, on making fun, and it's like, we just want to make sure that it happens. But, um, you know, I was one of the last things that you did before your trip was you started this incredible fixed bike. The fixed mm-hmm. bike, I love that fixed bike so much. What made you decide to make a fixed bike frame out of recycled skateboards? So um, last year in 2021, um, I felt like I wasn't making anything out of skateboards that was significant. And so I was that that's the year that I moved the shop, made the foldable stairs. You know, I was doing good with the shop stuff, but I wasn't really making things out of skateboards. So I always wanted to make a bike. Um, I grew up riding bikes all my life and I used to ride fixed gear bikes. And I said, for the month of December, I'm going to take I'm going to give myself this month and not take on any sponsorships not take on any other jobs and just focus on making this bike for myself. And that's pretty much how it started happening. And I started making it and unfortunately time ran out. So it got pushed to the next month, but I was supposed to finish it that month. When you say that you were work, you use a lot of fixed bikes. Why were you picking fixed bikes when you were younger? Because fixed bikes in New York are are like a lot of messengers, bike messengers Mm -hmm. to use fixed bikes. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are, it's for some reason, mental patients in the city like fixed bikes. I'm pretty, I'm pretty crazy. So I think. No brakes. um, You don't have, you don't have handbrakes. So it's. it's, Yeah, no brakes. Um running red lights um <laughs> there's no stop there's no real easy stopping on a fixed gear is there no but it feels like the the biggest reason why i liked fixed gear uh fixed gear bikes is you feel like you're one with the bike right and you are literally one with the bike if the bike's moving forward your pedal's moving if the bike's moving backwards your uh, feet's moving backwards so it Gave you a sense of like a uh, control when I mean you don't have any control, but it I felt like I was in control and I was just pretty much I'm going as fast as this bike is going and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and then just I, running red lights all the time and yeah. You guys, I guess you're in California, you're in LA. A bike is I don't know if I don't know how you. You go around in LA with a bike. I don't know. I would imagine you need a car is kind of more important, but you know. Um, yeah, definitely. You need a car. I mean, for me, I was riding the fixed uh, fixed gear bike when I was back in uh, college. So um, from campus to uh, my house was like a couple miles. So it was working out fine for that. But in LA, I don't know. It's kind of sketchy to ride bikes, especially like downtown and stuff. These people don't know how to drive at all. <laughs> So I don't know. I, mean, I have no yeah. idea. My my time in California is so limited that, that I wouldn't even know. All I know is my kid wants to move out there bad. She wants to she wants to go to uh UCLA 
or she wants yeah. to do it Occidental. That's where that's her two top choices in in uh, California. Um, UCLA is just super nice campus. Yeah, like it's just said. beautiful. Yeah, that's what they said. And it was like the city itself is pretty nice too. Around that area, Westwood, Brentwood. It's you know, there's in and out right there. Yeah, she. I, I I told her. I said, don't get too comfortable in like that Beverly Hills situation. More like, yeah. The, the, like the, I said, go look on Venice Beach. Go look. Go look at what's going on in Venice Beach. Those are the, those are the people you're gonna be hanging out with. Oh, Ven- Venice Beach is expensive too. Oh, but it's like it's like a it's like dare, one thing that my wife said, and we she, we and I, she and I she's just been living in here in New York with me for we've been I've been I grew up in New York, but she lived here for twenty five years with me, and she says she's never seen more homeless in anywhere than in California, like yeah. like I, that's a, that's stunning to me. But then she said, "Ah, the weather's nice. So where are you going to go? You gonna what do you mean? What, you want to go to the Northeast if you're homeless? Yeah. No, of course not. You go to California." I live literally the neighboring city of Skid Row. So it's literally, I, I see bums all the time. I used to work right next to Skid Row, which is the fashion district. And I've seen at least 10 people take shits in the middle of the streets. You know what? That brings me to a funny, not a funny story. I went to my uh, family member's wedding in San Francisco. And we, we, st- we stayed in the, I think they call it the tenderloin. I think is that the, I don't know if that's what it's called. They call it the tenderloin, uh-huh. which is just like when they call it the tenderloin, you're just like, this is not going to end. This is not yeah. where you want to be. The tenderloin for Christ's sakes. <laughs> and I remember my kid and I woke up early. We we're going to go for a walk outside and there were outside of the hotel. And there must've been 25 people sleeping on sleeping bags, but like mm-hmm. they were head to toe from the, the building to the sidewalk. So you don't like walk around them all. And then we went to we saw three guys taking leaks in the in the middle of the street with their pants down around their ankles, butts out. Oh and then we saw real like Oliver Twist thieves, like thieves that like you know taking <laughs> you know like real I mean real classic thieves. And then we went to a, a CVS and this the woman was talking to the manager and she goes, "There was somebody take, who who um, was taking a shit." In aisle seven, and he goes, "Oh no, we just cleaned that up." No, 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 no. I'm talking about a different day. This is like a multiple times in multiple aisles in the same CVS that people were pooping. California, get your shit together, yeah, man. California, yep. What is up? So back to the bikes. I know we took a little bit of detour, but ladies and gentlemen, that's just the way it is. So, so when you when you come to the bike, I noticed that there was a lot of similarities. What I, what I loved was, you know, when I was watching you form the the parts that had to be shaped. I was that and it, you put it in a bag and then it, you, you, you epoxy it all with total boat and you epoxy it all. And then you put it on a form and then you push the, And I was wondering where do you get this thing? And then I was looking back into your older videos mm-hmm. is so that's how they make skateboards, right? Yeah. They take, I a mean, bag this and, is, it's just only for one. So if you want to make one, one or yeah, one or two at a time, this is not how manufacturers do it, but this is more like a DIY type of deal. So you can make a skateboard with just a vacuum bag and a vacuum pump, and you should be able to make one or two or maybe even three. Out of one, uh, out of one kit. Out of one bag, yeah. Those look like, it looks like, I, all of a sudden I was just like, this is how they do it? And then I was wondering, are, they, like, is, are those DIY kits inexpensive or are they expensive? It's about $50. Uh, I think it was about $100 for that bag. Bag and the form? 
and the, the form no. to make the skateboard. The, the, you to make the skateboard. Well, you could, you could. I think they sell the form as well, but um, I don't know how much the form is. But the bag is the most important, and that should be about hundred bucks. Um, and the vacuum pump is about four hundred bucks. Oh, mamma mia! Oh yeah, yeah like so. a like a vacuum pump. We do it with stabilizing. So. No. Did that was that? How did you get the idea to form Bend? Your I was I had on here uh, Keith Mitchell. That's um, Keith Mitchell is shipwright skills, and he went mm-hmm. to school as a shipwright. And they were steam bending wood for the for the uh, for building ships. And he's mm-hmm. actually he and my friend Jesse Savage were steam bending axe handles. And he was explaining about how you steam bend and 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 you know you keep it in the steam and then you put it in the clamps and you put it in the jigs and stuff like that. How does the the vacuum form bending for that? Was it the bike frame, the two bike frame parts? Mm-hmm. How does that? How did you come up with that idea to do that? And then how does it work? So I had to bend the back brackets for the bike or the mounting rear hub, I guess. Um, that needs to clear the chain as well as clear the the crank. Um, and so I had to bend it. Now to bend wood, uh, you need to do bent lamination. So you you're gluing it as it's bent. Uh, instead of you know steam bending is you're kind of what you're you're you steam it up, bend the wood, and the wood itself shapes into that shape. But right. if you do bent lamination, that means the glue itself is holding the 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 shape and so i just went on illustrator uh found the curb that i wanted and then i 3d or 3d uh illustrated it and then print out a template and then shape that and then when you put the bag or when you put the veneers in the bag with the form you're pretty much sucking out all the oxygen or any air in the bag and that allows you to bend um the wood and it's really strong i think it was ridiculously like two two tons of pressure in square inch yeah it's ridiculously strong um lamination because it's uh, uh vacuumed out and yeah there's it's so strong. It's ridiculously strong how that back bracket is. I, I did not think it was going to be that strong. I mean, it looked like, I mean, it was like, it was like Terminator shit. Like I, I saw you, I saw, I saw you. Yeah. I was like, what is this bag? And then he turns it on and I was like, that's how they glue shit together. I yeah. was like, so I was so out of this world for me. And I was like, that is amazing. And then I guess as it pulls down, it creates the, you know, it, it, it moves the material. So it's not, you know, all of a sudden you're probably your ends or your end, the end, you can see that the ends aren't even all of a sudden because there's some mm-hmm. are stretching and some are pulling and that was especially because epoxy is super uh, uh, slippery yeah. compared to wood, uh, uh, wood glue. So like you have to make sure it's in shape, but because you you could turn on the pump and turn off the pump anytime, you could align everything, and then right when you turn it on, it just stays in that exact sh- uh, uh, what is it exact shape. So it's really easy to use. I think 
more people should use it, but I think the pump is just too expensive. It's four hundred or five hundred dollars. Yeah. I have a couple of those pumps because we uh, look at me bragging. I, I because for stabilizing wood, you yeah. need those vacuum pumps. Actually, I bought one for six hundred dollars and I fucked it up on the first week and I still haven't fixed it yet. And I'm just like mm. looking at it like I look at it and I'm just like you're an idiot. And the, I I don't even know where to go to fix. It. This is like one of those things where you're just like I don't even know where to go to fix this goddamn thing. I'm just hoping someone just takes pity on me and says uh, someone's slipping into my DMs. I'll fix your I'll fix your pump for you. Oh, you don't have to do that. And then I'll do an ad for them and stuff like that. But you know we'll see. I'm not too worried about it. But I, I it was it was so, it was so cool watching it. And I'm wondering how much. I mean, once again, I'm, I'm you, you're uh, you uh, uh, you're I don't know how affected you were by people saying oh you don't can't make a bike out of skateboard decks you getting a lot of that at this point uh at this point not much or I think. support but you're getting support you're getting more support yes i mean i would say definitely like 99 percent of my followers say nice things and encouraging things um only people only negative feedback i got about the bike is how heavy it is and you know, of course, it's supposed to be heavier. It's a you know, like, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, what do you expect? So, these people think I'm this fucking genius that I'm gonna build a bike that's lighter than metal wood or uh, a carbon fiber bikes and out of wood and skateboards. It just makes no sense. So that's I, the only thing I think. I'm constantly stunned at the things that come out of people's mouths. The expectations are so unreasonable, and part of me thinks it's because. When you see someone on a screen, your your subconscious actually thinks that they're not actually a person, and that mm-hmm. they're not affected by things. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it always is surprising. Actually, we on Knife Talk we just interviewed um, uh, Neil Kamamura. He's probably the most he's probably the most famous knife maker on at least social media. He's got like okay. almost six hundred thousand. He makes knives for Jason Momoa. He's mm-hmm. fucking awesome guy. And he's just like, he makes for super movies and he's just like a dynamite dude. He gets affected by th- crazy things that people say. Like it bothers him. Like he, he, mm. he, he's, he, he'll say something. Like, I can't believe this person. People will ask him things, ask him for things. And it's just like, well, you would never do, you would never do this otherwise. You would never ask yeah. for something from anybody else. But I feel like there's this, like, there's a detachment. There's a detachment from face to face. All these things that people say, you would never say to them face to face. I've said terrible things about people, and then they, they would, I would never say that to their face on this mm-hmm. podcast. I say terrible things about people that I would never say in, in real life because I'm just right. like, you know, I don't believe that they can actually, they're not actually listening. But then I get a call or I get a DM, and then I have to backtrack. That's neither. Here. I mean, it's just. I think people, some of these people just never got checked before. I think they don't have friends or, you know, even if they talk to their friends, no one's, you know, correcting them or, you know, letting it slide and whatnot. So you kind of have to dehumanize these people, honestly, at the end of the day. I block anybody who says any negative things to me or write negative messages. I just block them right away because... I don't need that kind of shit in my life. Yeah, I don't blame. And you. I don't. I'm not your friend. I'm not who you think I am. And I'm just here to make things. And if you want to say negative things about it, you're not here. Yeah, you're gonna be gone. So that's what I do. Well, the bike turned out beautiful. I love the wheels. The wheels. The the. You know what was really cool was the fact that the frame 
was the contrast between I'm just the contrast between the wheels and the bar and the seat you pick black mm-hmm. to contrast with the the skateboard decks it was really really everything about it and I, how did you come up with that design because I know that I've heard from bike builders that triangles are everything and and how did you come up with that particular design because it's two triangles look together at it, right yeah if you look at it it's supposed to be a lightning bolt oh I see. That. I love. Uh, I used to love drawing lightning bolt. Um, in high school, uh, I used to play, play volleyball. Okay. And we used to say like thunder, uh, which means when you're hitting it, it's just hitting it really hard and making really loud noise, or when you're spiking it. So it just lightning bolt just stayed in my head, and then I, I decided maybe I can make a bike that looks like a lightning bolt and that's what it's supposed to be. Well, it yeah. definitely looks like a lightning bolt. It definitely looks like a yeah. lightning bolt and it, it, it's 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 its own thing. I I've, I've seen people make like uh, bamboo bikes and stuff like that mm-hmm. actually at the Center for Metal Arts they're actually doing a uh, a bike building class where they're where they're brazing steel. They're brazing steel and making bikes and stuff like that. But your bike was its own thing and I don't and it there's I think because it it was it was a fixed bike you and you're able to like not have wires and brakes and gear mm-hmm. shifters and no derailers and stuff like that. You're kind of, you had more of a sculptural, you had the ability to make more of a sculptural object mm-hmm. than like get bogged down with all like the technical parts of the bike. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even going to shape it actually. I wasn't even going to carve it. I was going to just let the, let it kind of be boxy and yeah. kind of, uh, stocky, but I realized it's way too heavy. And then the way I veneered uh, or laminated the veneers, it just wasn't showing enough colors. And it just, you wouldn't be able to tell it was made out of skateboards if I kept, uh, if I didn't carve it. So that's why I decided to carve it and give it like a nice little visual. Well, it looks great. Lines and stuff. And the videos, the video is great too, because I like the fact that you, I like I like the fact that you do talk about the problems that you've had, the things that you had to when you had to redo the one part because you built you built a part and you did the opposite or something like that. I love the fact that you were able you're able to like say, look, this is the way it is. I, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want, and you got to go back to and you had to refinish it five times and just the mm-hmm. rebuilding everything, your whole experience, and even like you the way the you had problems because of the the way the uh, the epoxy would bleed out into the, the your final coats and stuff like that you're very very genuine it's a very genuine thing yeah um give me one second okay go ahead guys ladies and gentlemen this is a real podcast where we have to do some things so i won't be before we get into it before we get back to ben ben's on his way he's coming back he's coming back ladies and gentlemen i want to thank axe wax uh, for uh, for sponsoring the show, we're gonna deal with Noah for some more. And Total Boat, guys, Total Boat, Total Boat is they ma- they're making the adhesives and the paints and the primers, the polishing compounds, DIY. Listen, listen to me. My man Ben has spent to- tons of time and energy laminating all those skateboards together. He's laminating all the skateboards together. You know what he's using? He's using Total Boat. So go get yourself the total bowl. He's back. I held it together for a few minutes. No editing, Ben. No editing, Ben. Thank you. So go Perfect. to totalboat.com because, I mean, if it works for Ben, Ben made a whole fixed bike 
using Total Boat to hold the fucking thing together, mm-hmm. and he's he's still alive. He didn't crash it and break it, and he's still it's still working fine. Thanks to Total there's Boat. so many different different products that they sell. It's ridiculous. You sh- people should check it out, regardless of if you're using Epoxy or not. You should check out their website because they have some stuff that you could anybody could use. Tough question. What is yes. your opinion on river tables? I hear that they're very controversial. Um, I hate it. Number one, um, I think it's fucking stupid. Why? Uh, but um, I just I don't know how to explain it. I Go think ahead. just I think it's just this um, this fad of like people just you know just pouring it. Any any time they see like a live at edge slab, they just you know automatically start pouring it. So I wish it got better. It, it it didn't get better the last five years. It's still the same river table that people are just using colors and cutting the slab or you know live slab in the middle and then connecting it that way. And nothing's changed. I think you know people are putting in bullets and coffee beans and whatnot, but. It's still the same process of you attaching two pieces of slabs with epoxy. And if they were doing something different, then I would say, yeah, go ahead. But everybody's doing the same exact thing, and that's one thing that I just don't like about it. So you want it to be like art. Like, I don't think these people think of it as art. I think it's that they're just trying to knock something out. It's it's just too easy. It seems... It seems so effortless because it seems like you're just pouring epoxy on wood and there's no work involved. It doesn't feel like there's work involved and I don't know. But I that's just, because you're a toil guy. You like toil. Toil is your move. Toil is right. your bread and butter. Yeah, so like personally, if they were... I, I wanted to do a river table too. So I'm trying to do one where I could have it so that all the skateboard broken edges of the skateboards are facing down and the top is clear. Yeah. And the bottom is literally just rugged edges. But I don't know. It's just, I, I, I wish they were doing something a little more different. Right. I think that's the. Yeah. And. I don't understand. Like, who wants a green river table? I don't get that. I got a funny story. Their... <laughs> the water's green. Like, why? Who <laughs> wants a no green river to... table? Yeah. You know, in the knife making community, we have these things called uh, hybrid handles, and it's uh-huh. basically like knife scales are the best because, like, you know, especially with burls, it's such a small piece of the burl. You don't. You can get a small. You can use. I can. I can go to my lumber yard and I can get small pieces of figured walnut that they're gonna throw out. But I can mm-hmm. use is perfect for me because I don't need. You know, I only need. You know, two a slab that's two inches by, whatever five and a half by and you know a half an inch, and I can make a set of scales out of that. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys who get burls and they'll get the ends of the burls and then they'll put them in a little mold and they'll put in a little bit of razzle dazzle and some and some uh, epoxy and then the, and then it'll it'll bond to that to the edge of the burl and then you get mm-hmm. these river you get these basically the river tables of of knife scales and I used to use them all the time. People are fucking love you want it. I would go to to the blade show and as when I would look at the handle scales, I'd be like. 
I'll get a couple of my business partner would say, get a couple of those, you know, people love them. So I actually just did a knife with that, that, that epoxy handle and I called them. We were talking about it on knife talk and I said that the hybrid handles are the cross fit of the knife world. People got so mad at me. It was just like, I was like, cause CrossFit, you know, when people talk about CrossFit, they never shut up about it. It's the same thing with the hybrid handles. It's just like, you're not making them. You're getting them made and stuff like that. You know, handles are, that's the one thing about like knife scales and handles is you're getting it made. You're not, you're not doing it yourself. I'm the only one who's making, you know, I'm making like these, you know, you know, high color contrast G10 handles. But I mean, like, you know, don't pretend like you made it. You didn't make it. So, but when I said that, cause it reminds me of the river tables. Cause I, I kind of made that joke. I said, ah, it's the, it's the cross fit of the knife world. And, and then, uh, and then every time I post now mm-hmm. of one of my hat, a customer wants a hybrid handle. What am I going to do? Say no. I say, I, I'm too good for it. I'm like, no, no. So, you know, your money's just as green as anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And then I get the people just beat the shit out of me. I thought it was the CrossFit and knife. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Jeez. The, the, the skateboard, the, one of the things I wanted to talk about skateboards were, were with you, there's like, there's a, there's a lot of different parts because not only are you laminating them and creating blocks and then creating materials and back to toil, I mean, the amount of work it takes just to get the, I love that, that heat, that heating, that wrote that, that, uh, you have a heating, uh, the, you took the oven, a, a toaster oven apart and built these mm-hmm. rollers underneath it. And then you feed the, you feed the, the skateboard through it and then it heats up and then you're able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Just taking off the skateboard, just taking off, just preparing the material takes at least a day. Yeah. Toil. You love toil. It's- it's i mean yeah i can't sit still i think that's one thing that i realized i just can't sit still i have to be doing something and i don't think i'm creative enough to make something just like make one move and wow this is creative like i i'm not that that type of guy so i realize i will put in the work because i can and I'll do this and kind of eventually I'm reaping the rewards at this point. So it's just, I can't sit still. And I rather, I realize you, if let's say you have, uh, let's say you, you get one skateboard per day, you know, for 10 days, it's just 10 skateboards. It doesn't seem much, right? But if you do it for a year, two years, three years, that's 900 skateboards, you know? So it's just every single day, little bit at a time, and you end up getting a lot more out of it. And honestly, I have a lot of time. <laughs> I don't think I have you do. so much time. I don't think you I do. do. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. No, it's, it's, no I, I, think you, I think that you're very busy. I mean, I think that you're a very busy guy. I think you say you don't, but I think you're being I think you're being modest. What I liked about the last project you did was the Apple Box. The yeah. Apple Box was a departure from how you use skateboards because one of the things that are about skateboards that are so unique is that a used skateboard has not just the graphics, but like the action of time that have, that mm-hmm. has been like, you know, inflicted on the skateboard. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like, I don't know, but when I was younger, I used to love watching UMTV raps and I loved, I love UMTV raps because it was a very mm-hmm. New York. It was very like East coast and stuff like that. And one day, and I grew up in the city. I saw graffiti. I understood what graffiti looked like. And one day I was watching Will Smith had a video called parents just don't understand. 
And you don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the song or not, but parents just don't under, parents don't understand was one of the most, it's, it's, it's what put Will Smith on the map. And mm-hmm. the background was, it looked like graffiti, but it looked like they just had three different colors of Krylon. They had green and then orange and red. So it was, it was very clear that somebody just whipped it out to make it look mm-hmm. like graffiti. But it didn't, it just looked fake because it looked like, you know, one dude with three different cans and it looked the same. Graffiti to me was always about the, the, how time affects it. What happens is one guy will tag and then there'll be some time and then another guy will tag and then another guy mm-hmm. will tag and then you have this kind of relationship. Then you create, that's what graffiti art is, is really what, the interesting part is it's, it's time. Time is affecting you know, the different guys and it's this communication between these different people and then you have this beautiful kind of like, you know, this beautiful object that's like mm-hmm. really kind of like, it's like, a, it's like, it's vibrant, but at the same time, it's different people and it feels like legitimate. Skateboards mm-hmm. are the same way because if you buy a new skateboard, it's just like, okay, fine. But if you see like the scrapes and where the tail scrapes and where the things scrape and then, you know, the messes and then the, maybe the, you know, whatever, and the stains and stuff like that, you feel this sense of like time has passed and it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. It is sincere. When you did the Apple box, I was just like, now he's using the, the, the graphics and the time in that, you know, that happened, the time and the mm-hmm. energy that happened in the skateboard decks to create this beautiful box. It was like one of the nicest boxes of all time. Like all I could think of is like, he calls it an Apple box, but it's like a little bit better than an Apple box. Yeah. Um, I, I really like using graphics of the boards, but it's kind of difficult to use. So what I realized is it's very inconsistent in terms of the graphics. And sometimes when you cut certain parts of the skateboards, you only see the scratches and you don't get to see the colors and the, uh, the stickers and the graphics and all that. So, it's really rare that I could use the graphics as well. Another reason right. is it's just disgusting. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's wood and these skaters are going over gutters and dirt poop. and, you know, poop. Yeah, exactly. Some people pee on it and you, you, you just don't know. So you I would much prefer to or I'm getting into the habit of just sanding everything down to bare wood as much as possible. But certain projects like this, I mean, I'm using all of my friend's skateboard for this one. So I know he's a clean rider and he's not going to do anything he's not gonna pee sketchy. On it. You know, yeah, you've so, asked him, like, please don't pee on this. Please don't pee so, on this. Yeah, I mean, that's the one of the biggest reasons why I can't use these graphics. But, you know, there's opportunities. I, I made a couple wall arts using the the graphics and i could just cover the entire thing up with total boat epoxy and uh yeah it'll be clean enough and i don't have to worry about the dirt yeah. coming off from the skateboard so yeah that's yeah. that's the that skateboards are kind of like they have like you know it's like the, there's you feel, i feel like there's might be my microbes going on there yeah you know microbes we did actually uh years ago i did i i i, I orchestrated an art show and I was unifying 20 artists. And it was in a very strange space. I wanted to activate the space. So I, I gave everybody skateboard decks. And then when we put this, and then they painted on the skateboard decks or made sculpture on the skateboard decks. And then they, we mm-hmm. kind of put them out because you take blocks. And then you mm-hmm. put them on the wall. And then when you look down the wall, you have the, created the sculptural, you know, the, it, it made it kind of activate the space. It wasn't looking just at like paintings. It was like, it was unifying all the artists. They all had the same skateboard deck. 
So what's next? What's next for what's next for Ben Paik? What's next for Wobie Designs? And then I'm gonna my final analyzation. I'm gonna make sure that that Ari Manis missed. I'm okay. Gonna, gonna uh, so next big project that I'm working on right now is going to be the van build. So I'm converting a. Mercedes Sprinter Van 170 cargo van into a mobile house, and I'm trying to have a shower in there, a full-size queen bed, a bathroom, wow. a projector, L-shaped couch, a kitchen, you know, a, a living room. So there's going to be a ton of things that's going to be featured on that Van Life series, so stay tuned. Have you talked to Chris Zepp? The make everything shop. Do you yes, know him? I actually saw him at a workbench con. Yeah, he's he. I think he made he made his sprinter van like like camper camper ready. So he and his mm-hmm. he and his wife could go and camp. So I I've been looking at his uh, videos too, and he has pretty good. He, I I really like his bed that he made. Yeah. So I'm I'm he's modifying a, a little bit. Yeah, he's amazing. He's really nice guy. Uh, I got good. to talk to him a little bit. At the workbench shot, uh, workbench con. Yeah. Chris is Chris is a dynamite guy. All right, the last thing I want to say is the what what Ari Manis missed, what he missed as unlicensed, unlicensed therapy, unlicensed therapist podcast mm-hmm. was if you were to look at your life as a you know if you look at, if you analyze the dreams you analyze a dream usually what happens is when you analyze a dream you are every part of that dream. Mm-hmm. You when any that's what the first thing they say is you are the different parts of your dream. You are the skateboard because you've been able your life this this you know starting out with not really knowing what to do and next thing you know all this turbulence and then you you've taken something and then you kind of made something out of it. You are the skateboard. You are the skateboard and and you and it's this subconscious wanting for this reclamation of these things that aren't to be thrown away. You believe in them to be turned into something more beautiful. You are the skateboard. I, I break pretty easily, so yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> ben Paik, everybody, will be designs. Last question, Thank last you. question, last question. What is, I know your dog's name is Toby, but what does mm-hmm. Wobi come from? So it's coming from Toby. I would, you know how when you do baby voices, yeah, like, yeah. Toby, Wobi, Wobi, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much how it came out. So it ended up being Toby. And I was like, come here, Toby. And then, oh, who's a little Wobie? And then it just kind of stuck. And I was looking up different names, too. I was like, Stripes Design and all these, like, Reclaim Skateboard Design and all these other things. And I just wanted one word brand, which is Wobie. And I was trying to take that name, but someone already took the name Wobie. So I just wrote Wobie Design, and it just kind of stuck. There you go. Ben Paik, yeah. Wobi Design, ladies and gentlemen. Go follow Ben on Instagram, Wobi Designs. Wobi Design, no S, no S. No S. No S. Wobi Design, and on, on uh, YouTube, go definitely. Listen, if you're not following Ben, you're making a huge mistake. He's hilarious, and he's funny. He, I was going to ask you to do the woo at the end, because that's what you're famous for, but I also heard that it fucking fucks you up for a few days, so I'm not going to ask you to do a woo. The big woos. The woos you do are the best. It's kind of like it's not Ric Flair, but it's still like there's a similarity, but not. It's your own thing. 
there's a moment to do it. There's and, a moment to do it, but yeah. it fucks you up. Like it's not yes. a, something that you can do lightly. So I appreciate that, and I would never ask you to fuck yourself up for this podcast. <laughs> so go follow Ben on on Instagram. Will be designed. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Whatever he's doing, you want to know. You want to make sure. Are you going to have T-shirts back in stock on your website? I tried to buy a T-shirt and extra large I couldn't get. So um, I'm contemplating on. Uh, changing up my logo, okay, uh, or okay. design or designing a new shirt, pretty okay. much. I didn't want to make the same shirt again, so I'm just I'm kind of still working on it, okay. honestly. And I I should have it up sometime next month. You were very smart because I couldn't yeah. click on the size, so then I was just like, okay, he doesn't have any in stock. Yeah. So go follow Ben and support our sponsors, Total Boat, Kristen. We're here, Kristen. We're here. Don't worry, <laughs> I got you, Kristen. She said. She said to me. I said, you know, she and I. It turns out she and I went to the same school, same college. We're a few years apart. Oh. It was a small world, and uh, she said, "Ben's coming on. I can't wait to hear." So here we are. Here we are. Ben's I love here. Kristen. She's, great. She's the best. She's the. Great. She has my skateboard right now. See, Kristen, you got to stick with the. You got to make sure mm-hmm. Total Boat sticks with the Full Blast podcast. That's a gift to you, Kristen. 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 All right, guys. Thanks again, Ben. You are a gentleman, and I appreciate your time and energy, and I'm so glad you came by. You're always Thank welcome you here. Thank you so much. You're Thank always, you for having me. You're yeah, always me welcome. Know. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. All right, but guys. We'll do it after the van build, and uh, I'll update on what's happening. All right, and then we'll tell some jokes. You see, what happens is the next time, we do more jokes. I right, See, this was the get to know you. Mm-hmm. The, the next one, we'll fuck around. Yes. All right, guys. We're going to see you next week. Thanks again, Ben. Thank you. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.